Hello, and thank you once again for joining us for the Crossroads Baptist Church radio and podcast ministry. My name is Jeffrey Lynn. I'm the pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church in Slipper Rock, Pennsylvania, and we're glad to have you with us listening today. I hope you have your Bible with you, your King James Bible, if you can follow along with us. Otherwise, you can just listen and we'll quote the passages. We're going to be in the Bible and the Word of God a lot today because that is the best place to be. Every year, at the beginning of the year, many pastors and churches have what's called a Vision Sunday, where they announce a theme or a verse that will in some way be a focus for that body of believers in the coming year. There's nothing wrong with this practice, regardless of where your local church is located, what language it speaks, what culture you have, what age attends, or any other factor. There are essentially two key purposes of every church, though, for every year, for every day, as stated by Christ in his word. For the next few minutes, let us look at those key functions of the church together and see what we can learn from them. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Help us now as we study it together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is vision in God's word? The word is used 79 times in scripture and often refers to visions that God grants to men like Abraham, Jacob, the prophets. The Bible says in Numbers twelve six. And he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. This brings a better context to the oft-used passage, Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. The word vision, God's word, doesn't speak of an idea or a plan. Uh, it's rather the direct reference to God giving direction to his people. And knowing that, we can understand where if there's no vision, if there's no direction from God, the people perish. Paul saw a vision in the New Testament. Cornelius saw a vision. Peter saw a vision. All of which contained directions from God to those men. When we consider what the vision of a church or congregation of believers ought to be, it's pretty simple. What has God directed us to do? What has God directed the local church to do? There's two key functions I believe that local church ought to be involved in. Now you can have your vision Sunday, you can have your verse of the year, all that is fine. But these two things have to be a part of the daily life of every church or that church is not pleasing God. Now it sounds like a bold thing to say, but just bear with me as we study the word of God here. There's two two key things, two key functions of the church that we must do. First of all, evangelizing the lost. And secondly, edifying the saved. Evangelizing the lost edifying the saved. Essentially seeing souls saved and saints sanctified. Now I say these are the two key functions of the church, not only because they are both commanded by God numerous times and are of utmost importance, but also because if a church fails to do one, the other will suffer as well. They kind of go hand in hand. Starting with evangelizing the lost, we, we know the verses, right? We know the, the Great Commission verses, Matthew twenty eight eighteen through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. But there's a couple of great promises. starts with a promise of, I've got all power in heaven and earth, and ends with a promise of, I'm going to be with you always. And in the middle there is what we're supposed to do. I love that. The Lord gives us a promise, tells us what to do, and gives us another promise. Mark 16, 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can't get much clearer than that. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
Now, if you have your Bible, look with me at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 19. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 19, the Bible says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, none of those verses are written to specific individuals. The Gospels are for all. Acts is for all. Uh, 2 Corinthians is written to a whole congregation of believers, not just the pastor, not just the Sunday school teacher, not just the people with type A personalities or that are outgoing. Every Christian has been given the ministry of reconciliation, the great commission to teach and preach the gospel to the entire world. Now, you may do it a little differently than I do. You may be a little more shy or a little more bold. Whatever, whatever works for you, as long as you are preaching the gospel in a biblical way, as long as you're doing it in a scriptural way and just plain doing it, that's good. Not everybody has to stand on a street corner. Not everybody has to stand behind a pulpit. Not everybody has to walk up and ask strangers if they know Jesus Christ. Just make sure you are telling somebody about the Lord in a way that pleases God. Now, if we fail to evangelize the lost as a church, we have failed at the very task God gave his church, Christ gave his church, before his ascension. When Christ prayed for believers in the garden, when he prayed in John 17, verse 18, the Bible says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So Christ says, the same way, God the Father, that you sent me into the world, I'm sending them. And before you say, well, he's just talking about his disciples, verse 20 says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for the salvation of your soul? If so, then you and I have been given a great commission by God to lead others to him as, as best as we can through our actions, our behavior, and more, more, most importantly, through our words. You can't just live a, a life that you believe is good and think that that's going to lead people to Christ. I've met many people who I would say are good, moral people, and they're not Christian. We have to use our mouth. We have to use our words. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now, preaching, that's not just the pastor. That's anybody speaking about Jesus Christ. And so I would, I would encourage you, make sure that you are with your words, with your mouth, preaching Jesus Christ. If a church does not evangelize the lost, it cannot be found pleasing in God's eyes. And that's the goal of every church, or that ought to be the goal of every church. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We as Christians, we as, as human beings, exist to bring pleasure to our God. And one of the ways we can do that is through obedience. And God clearly, clearly uh, desires us to be his mouthpiece on this world to teach others about him and bring others to saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. We can't save them. The Holy Spirit does that, but we can surely point them in the right direction and tell them what they need to know. Now, as I stated before, if a church doesn't do one of these two key functions, it directly affects the other. If a church does not evangelize the lost, two things tend to happen. First off, the, the church grows old and dies. Now, that sounds dramatic, but without leading new souls to Christ, how is your church going to survive? 
Think about the church you attend. I hope you attend church. The church you attend on Sundays or Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, all those times. The church you attend, how old are the people there? How, how, how many young people are there? Are the young people there sold out for Christ? Are there people there that are capable of teaching? Are there people there that are capable of taking over ministries that maybe some older people are doing? What's going to happen if new people aren't led to Christ? Are you just going to steal members from other churches? Well, what if, another, what if none of the other churches are seeing people saved either? We're seeing this already in our country today where churches are literally dying off. And part of the reason is we're not doing our job. We're not evangelizing the lost and bringing new people in. Now, evangelizing the lost can be personal witnessing, it can be door-to-door evangelism, public and street ministries. It can be a million different things. But I would say 99% of churches today do not corporately encourage their congregations to, to evangelize the lost. Aside from the cults of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, how many churches have an organized effort in place to see souls saved? The pastor saying you should witness from the pulpit, that doesn't count. I'm talking about the church organizing together, working together to try and see souls saved. How many do you think are doing that? Not many. The second key function of the church I mentioned is edification or godly growth of saved people. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 15, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure and the stat- of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ." The church in America is is filled, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, the church in America is filled with babies. It really is. There are so many people sitting in our pews every Sunday who know so little about the Word of God, who know so little about true biblical holiness, true biblical standards, true biblical righteousness. There are so many people that claim Christ as their Savior, but know so little about Him. And half of what they know about them isn't true because they got it from culture, they got it from Hollywood, they didn't get it from their King James Bible. Now, I don't fault those individuals necessarily. I lay most of the fault at the churches, at the pastors and the leaders of the churches who aren't preaching the doctrines, who aren't teaching people the Bible. They're just telling people the stories because they think that's what they want to hear. That's not good. You can't grow that way. God's Word never indicates that a Christian once saved Uh, is to simply sit around and wait for the rapture. We are to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. We're to strive for perfection. Hebrews uh, 6.1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. You know what he said? He said, don't just preach salvation every Sunday. Don't just just go over the same thing again and again. We've got to go on unto perfection and learn more. If a church does not seek to grow in the faith and knowledge of Christ and its membership, then that church is not pleasing God and that church will never evangelize the lost. Churches, families, and individual Christians ought to all have the Lord's vision for their local body of believers. The vision of sinners being saved and of saints being sanctified. Now, I know, I know, it's so much more fun to see a sinner saved 
to see somebody walk the aisle, to to lead somebody to the Lord on their doorstep. To, to, that's so much, and, and that's great. That's the best thing that could ever happen to any individuals to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But we have done a disservice over the last several decades in only focusing on evangelizing the lost and not focusing on that second key aspect of the church's job of perfecting the saints. And so we have a lot of people in America today who claim salvation and maybe they are saved, but they don't know a thing about how or why they got saved. They're carried about with every wind of doctrine. They're deceived so easily because they don't know their Bibles. Or they've got 15 different versions of the Bible in their house. This is a problem. Churches need to step up and, yes, evangelize the lost to the best of our ability. Yes, try to see souls saved to the best of our ability. But don't stop there. Take it upon ourselves as individual Christians, as families, as churches. We need to take it upon ourselves, ourselves this year and every year to not just evangelize the lost, but also to edify the saints, to grow in Christ, to learn more. And that'll make us better at evangelizing the lost. Now, we find a sad verse in 1 Samuel 3 um, that we never want said about our area. Now, I'm, I'm a pastor in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. I was uh, a youth pastor in Michigan for a long time. And, and who knows where I'll be 10 years from now, wherever the Lord leads, uh, Lord willing. You may be listening. You may be somewhere across the country, across the world. We have no idea. But it doesn't matter. You don't want this said about your area. You do not want this said. The Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Now, it sounds nice, the word of the Lord being precious, but the reason it was precious is because there was so little of it. The reason it was precious is because nobody had any direction from God. Nobody was getting direction from God. Nobody was giving direction from God. Lord, help us as Christians Help us to always make known in our community, in our family, in our circle of friends, and and around the world that the word of God still directs us and that the best thing that could ever happen to them is to allow themselves to be directed by God's word. To come to know Christ, to be saved, and then to allow him to take us on to perfection. Let's have God's vision for the church this year. Let's have God's vision for the church every single day. 